Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Psalms, chapter number 20. Psalms, chapter number 20, starting at verse number one, when you have it, say amen. Psalms chapter number 20, starting at verse number one. And the word of the Lord reads, it says, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thy own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Come on, you can be seated in the presence of our living God. Tell somebody, remember his name. Remember, remember, remember his name. Amen. And uh, we've been talking about prayer. Talking about prayer. This is why we pray. This is why we pray. And not only that, we've been talking all things prayer. And as we... uh, Tempted to lay foundation on last week, we talked about, you know, prayer. Simply put, at the foundationally, uh, it, it's, it's simply just communication. So you're having dialogue with God. And we found out, you know, even as we mentioned in the book of Genesis, you know, if that can be considered the first prayer when God comes and he speaks to uh, Adam and Eve, you know, God is the one who initiates the conversation. And so if prayer is nothing more than conversation, we're saying God wants to talk to you first. He's the one that is initiating the conversation where in return, you know, then you speak back to God. But we have been oftentimes talk In relation to prayer, we come and we lay out and pour out all of our requests, our supplications, our petitions, all these different things. And then a lot of us, we never give God an opportunity to speak back to us. So we're taking a different approach. We see even in Scripture that if this could be considered the first prayer in Scripture, that God is the one who initiated the conversation. So it shows that God is is delightful about speaking to us. So prayer, simply put, is communication, is dialogue between God and ourselves. And as we establish this prayer or this communication, it then takes us into communion, which denotes close relationship. So we didn't have close relationship with God. And so when you think about it, you know, oftentimes we hear people talk about, you know, 
in relationships. We talk about you can't have a relationship without trust, right? Um, and I'm, I'm sure if I ask you, you would agree that you cannot have a healthy relationship without trust, right? But this is the thing. When you think about um, having a healthy relationship, in essence, with this trust being established, trust cannot be established if there is no communication, right? So the foundation of every relationship must be communication. If that relationship is going to be healthy, if trust is going to be established or built, there must be healthy, ongoing, consistent communication. It's funny, you know, we, we experienced a, a, a marriage conference yesterday and, 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 and one of the main themes of what this guy talked about was communication. You know, uh, you can't expect to know someone if they fail to, to talk. You know, you can't expect to know their, their, their dreams, their aspirations, goals, desires, if they fail to express them to it. You can assume, but like my, I don't know, I can't remember if it was third or fourth grade teacher. I remember she wrote on the board, she said, this word right here, you don't want to do this. She wrote the word assume, and she circled the first three letters. She said, because whenever you assume, see the first three letters that are circled? It makes this, and then when you go and look at the word assume, right? It is spelled A-S-S-U-M-E. She circled A-S-S. She said, when you assume, it makes a donkey out of you and me. So this is why we shouldn't assume. And remember, we went through the book of Proverbs. The Lord told us that when you assume, an assumption is a bad understanding, right? So you see how a bad understanding can make a donkey out of you and me, right? So, so we need to stay away from assumptions, amen? Uh, but this main thing that this guy talked about was communication, how communication brought us close. And when you think about it, when we're in prayer, that's exactly what prayer does, right? Think about this here. If communion is close relationship and when we talk about prayer being communication or dialogue between God and ourselves, hear this right here. So, this is a quote I found. It says, prayer is a way we become aware of right? Prayer is a way we become aware of and experience God's presence and character. Through prayer, we meet and connect with God. So this is why prayer is important. So it says prayer is a way we become aware of and experience God's presence and character. And it's through prayer that we meet and connect with God. So you see why it's important for us to pray because we're building relationship with God close, because communion means close relationships. And like we say, if you're not in constant communication with people, you can't tell me you have a close relationship. Now I get it, there are some people, it's rare, where you don't have to talk every day, you don't have to talk hours and hours and hours each day. Like for example, Apostle and I connected in the realm of the Spirit and not just because of our blood relationship, right? The thing is, I don't have to talk to Apostle every day. I don't have to talk to Apostle hours and hours upon a day. You know, when we come back together and talk, it's as if we never let the conversation. Or even if we, we begin to talk and he's talking about something different or I am talking about something different, you know, bringing a whole totally different new subject in, we're able to follow one another, understand, connect. You know, and it's not just uh, on a mental plane, but emotionally we're there. He feels what I feel, I feel what he feels. So that's what I'm talking about when you talk about close relationship. 
So it's good that we have close relationship, which denotes communion. And after we establish communication, which is prayer, it then develops communion, having close relationship with God, which then leads us to having community. 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 And that's what our fellow believers, right? Community is simply defined as unified body of individuals. Unified body of individuals. And think about it. We all get on the same wavelength or the same page, come up and have one mindset by what? Communication. Communication, right? Us praying together, which allows us to have communion, not just with God, but we have communion with each other, which turns into community. So we have close relationship with one another. And this is the thing. Why are we, let me ask the question. Why are we so afraid to have communion with each other? Which leads to community. Now, remember there's the old adage. This talks about it takes a village to raise them. Well, I'm still being raised, y'all. I know I'm not. That's why I said it. Whether you know it or not, I don't care how old you are, you're still being raised. Because if you consider yourself to be a child of God, then guess what, child? You are still being raised. There were some of us who are teaching while learning at the same time. So we're all still being raised by the knowledge, by the wisdom, and by the love of God, and the correction, the discipline of God. But it takes a village. Village denotes community. So the thing is, why do we run from community? Why do we run from close relationship, close communion? I found out. Think about it. When we're in communion with God, what is God doing? God is refilling himself. He's allowing us to know him in an intimate manner. So, in like manner, when we are in close relationship with one another, guess what? You have to reveal who you are. At the essence of Communication, guess what? That's for example, if my very first time meeting Pastor Ivan and we introduce ourselves, hey, I'm Lincoln, hey, I'm Ivan. Simply put, that's communication, right? But what did we just do? We just reveal who we were. So communication allows for us to reveal our stories of who we are. Because guess what? Through the word of God, all God is simply doing as he's revealing himself, God is revealing his story. His story telling you who he is, allowing us to understand his nature and his character. So in like manner, this is what's supposed to take place as we have communion, close relationship with one another. But I get it. Most of us think about the things that we still have hidden or locked away in our closets. What are they going to think if they notice about me? Oh, you know what I found out? There was a God in heaven, right? Right? <laughs> He, he, he allows you to see through his eyes or hear through his ears, right? Depending on how sensitive and, and, and tuned you are to God. God will show you things about people, you know. If the intent and the motive is not, you know, impure, God will reveal things to those who he trusts about other people. I've been in a way... I've seen things. I've heard things. For example, I've heard people that I've never seen before. I've, I've heard conversations in the room of the Spirit. I've seen people that I've never met in, 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 in actual life before. There are times where I've touched and embraced people and like a movie screen would drop down and I just start seeing into their life. So the point that I'm making is as much as we think we're hiding stuff, things are not hidden. 
There's something called out of, out of, the, out of the, uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. One of those gifts that God gives by way of the Holy Spirit is the gift of discernment. Which in the book of Hebrews, it talks about exercising your discernment. And, and, and when you think about discernment, discernment is nothing more than your five natural senses, only they are heightened on a higher level in the realm of the Spirit. So what I couldn't see with my natural eye, I'm able to see in the realm of the Spirit. What I couldn't hear with my natural ears, I'm able to hear in the realm of the Spirit. You follow me? So what we think that we have hidden is not hidden because there was a God whose eyes are beholding not just the evil but the good. So in other words, he's letting you know, I see it all, I know it all. Right? So if we were to go to the God that knows it all and if our intentions and our motives were not impure, then God doesn't have a problem with revealing things about you, just like he doesn't have a problem with revealing things about me. But God gives you the opportunity to reveal things about yourself through communion, through close relationship. Now I get it. Some of us are like, well, I can't trust folk. Da, 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 da. But see, that goes to show you the type of mindset that you're operating in. If you're still saying, I can't trust folk, no, he's giving it to you that you're supposed to trust. You're supposed to build this trust. Why? Because trust is built or established through what? Communication. So the more you talk to people, the more you will know people where they are. If, 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 if you want to know whether or not your vulnerable information can be trusted with a person, the more you have conversation with them because the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak, right? So the mouth is going to reveal what type of person you're dealing with. Now, I for one, the Lord told me, you mark that one that refuses to reveal who they are, but will sit and hear everything you got to say. No, mark that one. Right? Because we know there were some people, they'll sit and let you talk about you all day long. Right? And never in return share things about themselves. It's not right. Right? Because it's showing you that you really don't trust. What are you afraid of? Okay, I get it. I'm afraid to be hurt again. I'm afraid, you know, somebody's going to stab me in the back. Okay. Then it goes to show that you're still trying to defend yourself and he's truly not your defense. So if you're trusting God, like you say you trust God, a part of you trusting God is to trust that God is going to be your defense. God is going to be your shield. God is going to be your buckler. But if you're still trying to decide, am I going to let this person get close? This is my thing. Jesus let a betrayer get close to him. And it's not that Jesus did not know Judas was who he was. The whole time, if, if he's God incarnate in the flesh, he knew exactly who Judas was. But did he ever push Judas away? Did he ever not include Judas? Now, we understand there were certain times he only took three with him. Certain times. That was just by divine will. We can try to undergo and understand it as much as we want, but a lot of that just has to do with divine will, right? Because some people try to make, well, that's why, no, no, no. Because if that was the case, why did he still provide for Judas? If that was the case, knowing who Judas was, why did he still allow him to hold the money purse? Knowing that he was going to betray him, steal the money, all these different things lie, but why did he never take that away? And like we said, he still provided for him. Whenever he ate, Judas ate. Wherever he slept, Judas laid his head. He didn't say, Judas, you got to go find you a hotel somewhere and go make your own way. No, no, he knew exactly who Judas was. 
when he had conversations with the disciples, all of them, he never excluded Judas. And then, okay, and then if you said, okay, well, if you can't get past Judas, you think he did not know that Peter was going to deny him three times? He told him, before this cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. He didn't just know that in that moment. He knew that. But it never stopped him from, come on, Peter, you and James and John, y'all come here. He still kept bringing him close, right? Knowing that this dude was going to betray him. Knowing that this dude was going to struggle with his faith, but he still brought him close, right? Because guess what? It's when you have close relationship communion that God can give you supernatural revelation. Perfect example, Peter, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Now everybody, well, some say thou art the, but y'all been walking with me for a significant amount of time and you still don't know who I am. So it goes to show you why communion, community is important because you can walk with folk and not understand or not know who people are. So God has designed us to know one another. So if you think about it, going back to the example, who the men say that I am? Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're just a prophet. Okay. That was general. Let's get specific. Who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ. Okay, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. This is why I can build my church upon you. The one that had a temper issue you know, the one who didn't mind. And if you go and check out scripture, Peter, when he was working, Peter liked to work naked. Exhibition spirit. <laughs> Streakers, you know, some of y'all used to like stuff like that. Oh, it's the truth. Some of y'all did with the exhibition spirit. You like being naked in the natural, but you don't like being naked. When it comes to being truthful, you don't like being naked. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm saying something right there. I'm saying something right there. But you don't mind being naked in the natural. That is a false balance, I'm here to tell you. And so if it's a false balance, what is that, what is that, what is that to God, y'all? You know the scripture. It's an abomination unto the Lord, right? So how, how is it that you are so free and willing to be naked in the natural, but when it comes to revealing your heart, or revealing your soul, or revealing your spirit, You want to take steps back, right? We don't understand how this is damaging the body of Christ. Because again, the world is going to know that we are Christians by the way we love one another. And if we are afraid to have close, meaning communion, close relationship with one another, what is this saying to the world, y'all? If you're afraid to talk to other believers, what is this saying to the world? Now, you got husband and wives who struggle with talking to one another. So what is this saying to the world? If you struggle with talking to your spouse or struggle with talking to your children, then I know you're going to struggle with talking to someone else. What is this saying about the body of Christ? It shows you what the body of Christ is. This is why the, the world can come in or why the world makes fun at the church. The church is always, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a joke for them. Why? We can't get this love thing right. 
why can't we get the love thing right? Four-letter word. And I'm not talking about a cuss word. Fear. The Bible tells you what? Perfect love casts out all fear. So if perfect love, mature love, has not cast out all fear, then how is the world going to know that we're Christians? You think to see the, we think the world supposed to know we Christians because you say the name Jesus. Demons said his name. So it doesn't mean anything because you're saying his name. Or you think because you give God praise or you come to service on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, on a regular basis that people are supposed to know that you are a Christian or because you pray. Witches and warlocks pray. Satanic worshipers pray. Buddhists pray. Right? So generally around the world, everybody prays. So what is setting you apart? He said the thing that's supposed to be the difference that set the difference between you and everybody else is your love. Your close relationship. Talking about some of us are supposed to be so close that you know what issues people have. We're so afraid. See, this is where pride, pride won't let us tell folk what we got going on. When the one you're talking to may be the one that God has orchestrated to meet your need. But pride, we want folk to make us, uh, we, want, we want to make folk believe that we got it all together. We don't have any issues. When the one you're talking to may be the one that God has designed in this exact moment to be the one to meet your need. So here in Psalm chapter number 20, and this again, it's a prayer of David. And David is praying for victory. See, we become so accustomed to talking about, I got the V-I-C-T-O-R-I line. Lying to ourselves. You know what I found out? We only have victory in the company of other believers. Like, we act like we have victory when we come to church. And there's a high praise going up, things of this nature right there, and we join in with the high praise. And guess what? That high praise, when you join in, praise makes you feel good. It's, it's almost like exercise to your physical body. It makes you feel good. As, as you begin to participate, you know, moving your limbs and stuff and exercising your vocal cords, all this, it makes you feel good. It's, it's almost like praise is a stimulant to you. It gets you high real quick. And if you don't know how to abide up here, meaning go from praise and enter into worship, when you quickly come down, it's just like some of these energy drinks. Praise can get you real high and you come crashing down. Right? This is how some of us are. In the moment we feel victorious, but as soon as we get home, and we go back into the issue, the problem, you know, the trouble that we left at home. And you begin to notice, I don't have the victory. 
If I had the victory, why is it still here? If I had the victory, why am I still dealing with this? If I had the victory, why am I still going through this? If I had the victory. See, y'all, I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. We, 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 we shout it. We sing it. We'll dance. We'll run off to the side and give God praise. I got the victory. We'll go and dance with somebody, hold them in their back and push them. Push, I got the victory. What happens when you do all of that and you still don't come away with the victory? Like we told you on Wednesday, God is watching your response. And so the thing about David, David spent a lot of time in battle. And so, guess what? You can spend a lot of time doing certain things till you know how to pray about these things really, really well. So David knew how to pray really, really well about being in battle or being surrounded when he was in battle. He knew how to pray really, really well. Right? For example, you could be dealing with, this is, uh, for example, when I start dealing with a headache, I, the, the more and more I start dealing with migraine headaches, the more and more I became aware of the symptoms so I knew how to pray more specifically about headache or migraine because I began to deal with them quite often, right? So like I said, you could deal with something quite often and know how to pray very, very well about this thing because you're more familiar with this thing. What does that matter though? If you don't come out victorious. What does it matter that you're familiar with the sin, familiar with the issue, familiar with the struggle if you don't come out victorious? See, David made a point that I'm not going to just be familiar. I'm going to learn how to pray about this thing, but I'm going to come out victorious. So even in the middle of this, when, when David was communicating with God, he had communion with God, close relationship with God, that people were willing to follow him. And so guess what? It developed community. His men were willing to follow him in battle, willing to die with him in battle because they saw what he did. Notice, David, shall I go up, Lord? He would seek counsel from God. He would go and talk to God, right? So, so understand, we're here and, and, and the scripture begins to talk about it. it says, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble is what David is praying. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Trouble in the Hebrew oftentimes is also defined as a rivalry from a female. Oh, yes. Understand. See, some men have trouble in their home. And it's called Woman. It's called wife, mother of my children. Oh, look it up and it'll show you what the word is defined as rival or, and, and it speaks about a female, right? A rival wife who comes against you. And we told you, think about like this here. Remember in the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis, uh, where, where it talks about how Eve, you know, she would love her husband or want her husband or yield herself to her husband or desire her husband. The thought behind that in Hebrew is, if Adam is not who he's supposed to be, I'm going to usurp him. We saw bits and pieces of this on display. 
Adam E. She went and had the conversation with the serpent. And it was she who then told Adam, Adam E. When Adam knew what they were instructed to do. Okay. Either you're going to be at peace with God or you're going to be at peace with me, Adam. Okay, if you're not going to eat this fruit, Adam, you go all the way over there on the north side of the garden. Won't you roll up under none of these vines with me? <laughs> go lay down with some lion and zebra. Let them keep you company. You know how they do. Right? And so because you got to think about it. Adam is like, okay, well, he's never... Adam has, to this point, Adam has never experienced rejection before. So think about it. When you are faced or challenged with being rejected, if you don't have that level of discipline in you to come up and say, okay, you know what? I don't care. Baby, go put on your cotton gown. If I got to sleep on the couch, I'm not about to lose my Lord because of you. But understand, there were some people who are not going to take that stance. They start thinking, okay, three days, and hold up. Oh, I know I'm going to have a need, hold up. And they start thinking, well, I know I can't go get, you know what? And they give in, right? Like we see, Adam gave in. We tell you, there are three G's that a man struggle with. Gold, glory, and a girl. They get to a man every single time if you're not careful. So, Eve was able to get to him. Why? Because of the fear of being rejected. Because everybody, at this point, all he knows is accept is being embraced by God. And one of the key things that he knows that he's accepted and embraced by God is because God does what? Talks to him. Talks with him. So think about it. You know you're being rejected when people are refusing your conversation. What you doing? Well, leave me alone. When they refuse to respond back to your text, answer your phone call, this is a sign that you're being rejected. And so because you hate that, that's why you start, well, what did I do? You're you trying to get an understanding, but they don't want to give you no understanding. Right? So you know that you are accepted and embraced and loved. Thereby I say love when people are communicating to you. Because again, communication, simply put, it, 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 that's the dialogue between us and God, right? And, and when it's you with someone else, that's the dialogue between you and someone else, which leads us to communion, close relationship. Now, this is the thing. Even when God would be upset, God would still talk, right? When God would be upset, we know this is true because look at the judgments God spoke <laughs> when he was upset, right? So God still spoke when he was upset. The issue for most of us, when we get mad, we don't want to talk. Or when you get mad, you start saying a whole bunch of four-letter words or thinking a whole bunch of four-letter words. Acting some fool. Right? But God was still disciplined. God was still just even when he was angry. God knew how to be angry and not sin. Which we know God cannot sin, but I'm just giving you an indication in reference to you. Our issue is we don't know how to be angry 
and not sin. The thing is, God doesn't have an issue with you being angry. The issue or the problem becomes your sin when you get angry. And if you talk to people long enough and you feel like they're having a, a stupid or immature conversation, that will make you angry. Or if you feel like they're playing word games with you, that'll make you angry. Because to play word games with me is to be wasting my time. And guess what? I could be doing something else with my time right now while you're trying to play and I'm trying to get an understanding. That will make you angry. And if you're not careful, it will actually make you sin. Do you have the victory? The question is, do you have victory in your communication? Do you have victory in your communion, your close relationships? Do you have victory in community? What I found out, we oftentimes use it. Well, I've used this example since I've heard Minister Marcus said. Minister Marcus said, listen, I know how to be friendly, but I don't know how to be a good friend. And that's when you think about it, that's most of us. Your mom and dad and them taught you to be polite and friendly. So you're not alone. You were just brave enough to say it. The reality, most everybody in this room know how to be friendly, but they don't know how to be a good friend. If you ever understood the importance of friendship, again, some of us, we, we feel we're okay with just having acquaintances, associates, you know, just keeping people at bay. But think about it. Abraham was called what? Friend of God. So God is still showing you the importance of friendship. I wasn't just his God, but I, was, I became his friend. We developed this friendship through our communication. By revealing, by God revealing himself to him, he was able to trust God. A God that he's never heard speak before, doesn't know anything about, but because God spoke to him, it developed close relationship or communion, which then established what? Community. Abraham knew that he was accepted, embraced, loved by God because God spoke to him. I don't know why we're going this way, but everything that God knows is supposed to be talking about prayer. <laughs> Question is, do you have victory in your prayer life? See, sometimes our prayers are not successful because you don't have a friend to pray with. Husband and wife should be friends. I didn't always believe in that concept. You got your friends, I got my friends. But I've since learned that husband and wife should actually be best of friends. Able to share whatever with one another at any given time. On the flip side though, Men should be accountable to the brotherhood and women should be accountable to the sisterhood. But we have seen in this church, in this ministry, men will try to be accountable to, well, I talked to my wife. Okay. We're not saying don't talk to your wife. There were some issues after you talk to your wife, you need to bring that to the brotherhood, bro, so we can keep you accountable. 
Because we know, you know, for the sake of, why are you really telling your wife? Let's, let's deal with that. Why are you really telling your wife? Most men are telling their wives because they're trying not to be in the doghouse or they're trying to come out of the doghouse. Because they've messed it up. Right? Uh, the, the, wives really don't, the wives don't really trust them like that, so they're trying to reestablish trust, regain her trust. So, to show you that I'm working, I'm going to tell you this. In reality, you're still telling her what you want her to know. Or can I get some help right there? You're still telling her what you want her to know. Because when we said, okay, truth, truth is everything. So you still want to deal with facts. Now let's talk about the truth. What really happened? What was everything? See, facts meaning, okay, there was, there was things that I'm talking about, they're true, but those are not all the details. That's not everything that transpired. Like, you told me you look, but you left it at I look. You didn't tell me you looked at her, her breasts, then looked all the way down at her butt for 10 seconds. You watched her butt walk from this door all the way to the You didn't tell me all. You said you looked. The truth is, I looked, and I looked more than 10 seconds. I looked at her breast, and my eyes walked down her body. I looked at her butt, and I was like, you know what? She got a big butt. Jesus Christ. See, that is truth right there. Let's, let's deal with all of the things that are not being said, not with what you're telling me. See, women, you should ask, okay, now what are you not saying? I heard what you said, but what did you not say? Let's, let's come on, let's deal with the truth. You gave me facts. You told me what was true, but what is the truth? Because mm. you're not going to talk about how you, you know what I'm saying, you went to the water, like, like the example we talked about yesterday, you went to the water cooler. I'm wondering where this thing was in my mind. Like, you went to the water cooler, so you're not going to tell us you went to the water cooler. Hey, how you doing? Had a conversation with him. No, it was an innocent conversation, but why did you leave that out? If it's so innocent, why did you leave that out? That is part of the truth. So when you think about your communication, do you have victory in your communication or are you still telling half-truths, which is a whole entire lie? Because if you're merely just talking facts, things that are true and not revealing the truth, then I'm suggesting to you that you are a liar. You need to go repent. Now, this is the thing. We have this ugly little problem. I forgot. Which is not an excuse. You know why that's not an excuse? Because you told me you got the Holy Ghost and that my Bible tells me that the Holy Ghost will bring all things back to what? Your remembrance. How about before we have this conversation, go pray. God, bring everything back to my remembrance so I don't leave anything out. See, why don't we do that? Because a lot of times we feel pressure by the women to talk. See, I know me. My wife used to be like, you lying. I forgot that, man. Ain't because I'm afraid to tell you that. What you gonna do to me? See, that's how conversations go. I, what are you gonna? I am not afraid that you're gonna do anything to me. I forgot. 
But the truth be told, the point she was making, it was the truth. Lincoln, you lying. I stay and see, I would get pissed mad. Calling me a lie. You a lie. Nobody no lie. I, and see, my thing is, nobody trying to create no spot in the lake. Because my Bible tells me that all lay, lies have a spot in the lake. I am not trying to create a spot in the You a lie. Calling me no lie. Then you try to get all religious. The devil is a lie. Don't be speaking that over me. I speak crawfish to that. You're a lie. I'm going to pray and ask God to deal with your heart to expand all that stuff over me. You understand what I'm saying? But the truth is, as time went on and I began to examine what she was saying and you begin to understand, she was right. The fact that I was forgetting things, I was telling truth or I was dealing with facts and not the truth. So the Bible tells us what? It's the truth, right? Truth, T-H on the end, not T-R-U-E. It's not the truth that you know, meaning it's not the facts that you know that's going to make. It is the truth. So, is it safe to say some of us are not free because we don't know the truth? You only know facts. Or you're only willing to deal with facts and not truth. Y'all hear that? There's that eerie silence in here that be at the house when we're doing Bible study. There's the eerie silence in here. Yeah. Hmm. We're trying to talk about prayer. Do you have victory in your communication? If you fail to have victory in your communication, you, you do not have victory in your communion, your close relationship. Could it be that y'all are only close in your mind? That's how you perceive it? You know, we're under the impression that we have close relationship with people. How do you know? Have you ever asked the person that you believe that you're in close relationship with? Have you ever asked them, hey, what would you say about our relationship? Would you say we're close? Because you could talk to, for example, take prophetess Benita. Now, you can say for a number of reasons because she's a teacher and her students are quite younger, much, much younger than her. But the thing is, she talks to them every day while they're in her presence for significant hours throughout the day. But they are not close. She may have a close relationship with some, but it's still on, on a certain plane. So the point I'm making is just because you talk to somebody every day, whether it be verbal conversation, by text, email, whatever, doesn't mean that you are close. Now, you ask those children, they may like her style of teaching. They may, they may be drawn to her personality, and they may be like, she's my favorite teacher, right? Because of how she's impacting their lives. But if you were to ask her, hey, Prophet Benita, this is your best friend? She's going to be like, no. But you ask them, that's my best teacher. You, you follow what I'm saying? So some of you think because you talk to people every day. For example, in your house, you can talk to folk every day and y'all are not close. You can talk to your mama every day and y'all are not close. Some of your siblings every day and still not be close. Do you have victory in your communication, prayer life, your communication? Do you have victory in your communion, your close relationships? Because David was consistently being surrounded. He was familiar. He understood how to pray in great detail about 
the situation so that the men would follow him regardless of what he said. He had victor in his communication this way, he and God, and this way. He could come out of prayer and say, the Lord said, do this right here. And they trusted him. Because you know what? He would tell them. He would invite them into the conversation he had with God. The communication established trust within his men. See, sometimes you don't find, you find wives struggling to follow their husband because they, the husband can't tell them what God said. Or some men are afraid to reveal what God says because, guess what? If I don't tell anybody, if I fail to accomplish what God said, I can only deal with this. Now this can just be dealt with between me and God. So it's something different when it's God and someone else reminding you what you're supposed to do that you have not done. See, when it's God, you can just tune God out. Am I talking right? God being who he is, you can tune God out. But I don't care. You can go put your headphones in, your cordless headphones in, whatever headphones you got. You, the big ones that cover your whole entire ear, you cannot tune that woman out though. She's going to buy her time because she knows your routine. Okay. Eventually, you got to get in the shower. You're not going to get in the shower with them on. You run the risk of electrocuting yourself. So, you don't understand. This is, why, this is why they say women are strategic. Strategic. And why they're so successful in their daily endeavors because they have learned to master the art of patience. Any woman who's had a child, guess what having a child has taught her to be? Patient. She can be like, oh, I want this baby out of me. I want this baby out of me right now. Yeah. But guess what? She understands until a certain time comes, she's going to have to deal with it. So, man, can I suggest something to you? You're really not that difficult of a problem for her. Especially if she's a woman who's had a child. She's used to being kicked, punched, oh, for over nine months. You understand what I'm saying? On, in her side, in her stomach, in her back. So, so guess what? Stabbing her in the back. I've been dealing with that. Who are you? You don't understand. This child has taught me patience to deal with you. What women understand about us, men, we want it right now. She knows she can outweigh you. Think about it. Have you ever looked at it when it was time to be intimate? See, it's another thing that we learned. <laughs> it's, it's not that we did not already know, but you learned in the greater detail about a man's anatomy yesterday. So you see why we be like, hey, look, look, look. Whereas you, you could just chill like you're not even bothered. But I know you want to be intimate. I do, but I'm not, not like you. I do, just not like you. You know, I'm letting my wife be walking around just walking like she's just calm. <laughs> like, I'm around this camp like. <laughs> 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 
just got to do stuff. <laughs> you just got to do stuff. You just got to go work off this aggression. Like, and you wonder why she'll come home and, you know, like the whole upstairs will be clean. I'm just going to go clean the children's room. I don't care. They mess it up. I'm trying to get this aggression out. I got to burn through this energy. Right? You learned yesterday, women, that it's different for us. But what that woman has known is she understands patient. You're impatient. By nature, you are impatient. So she can outweigh you. So you may be able to tune God out, but you're not going to be able to tune her out because she's going to wait. See, some women will talk to you while you sleep. See, some of them laughing because that's, those are the ones that know. I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to him at the same time, and I'm touching you, Father, in the name of Jesus, God. God. Mm, You call their name out. You call their name out. Lincoln. God gonna do it. Uh, mm, 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 mm. So women are strategic in what they do. Like, listen, I'm just gonna come at it another way. You think I'm gonna come this way, and I'm gonna come a totally different way. To see what you expect. See, this is the thing about men. Once we catch on to it, we go, oh, I'm ready for that. But because she's as strategic as she is, she already know you're prepared for that way. That's why she's, she, she already 10 steps ahead of you. She done came another way. You haven't even caught on to the other way that she's came. For example, my wife was good with her communication, right? When we was first dating, oh, I could not stand it. I used to, I used to almost borderline hate my wife. I dealt with anger so bad. I did not like how she was able to come in and be polite to me. Good morning, Minister Lincoln. And say good morning back. I'll be so mad at her, like, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I didn't have Victor in my communication. Well, you can have issues going on, but you don't let the situation pull you out of character. See, she was still able to be in character. And I'll be mad because she was not upset about what we were dealing with. How are you so calm? And how are you able to talk to me? I'm mad. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to be anywhere near you. But she would come. Good morning, Minister Lincoln. Get ready to go to the store. You know, we'd be at the church office. I'm getting ready to go out to the store. Do you want something? I'm going to bring something back to you? I don't want you to bring nothing back to me. Hungry as I be someday. I don't want you to bring nothing back to me. Do nothing for me. Because by that time, I learned from apostle. You know, doing good to me, you trying to wreak coals of fire on my head. Stop trying to put fire on my head. <laughs> right? It, right? You, you hear him say that to me. He's like, I'm trying to wreak coals of fire on your head. You, you going to learn today. Right? I don't even know why we're going this way, y'all. But, but I soon learned that I can't let the things that I'm dealing with pull me out of character. My communication must be strong enough to talk even though I have a strong situation that I'm dealing with. An aggressive situation or an aggressive attack 
from the enemy that we're dealing with. Do you have victory in your communication? Do you have victory in your communion, your close relationship? Regardless of what me and my wife have gone through, we've been able to bounce back. When we fell out some days, because I'm not telling you we didn't fall out, but we knew how, when we fell out, we knew how to fall to our knees or fall on our face and pray together or pray for one another and pray against what the enemy is trying to do. So it's showing you that we also have victory in our close relationship. Well, you recognize, listen, this is the devil trying to keep bring division and we, mm-mm, let's back this devil up. You didn't have, the question is, do you have victory in your community? I want to ask you, do you have one real friend in the church? See, it's, it's commonplace to say, hey, sister, what's up, bruh? This is everyday lingo. Everyday lingo. But are they really your sister? Are they really your brother? See, when you can't verbally speak to that, your body language speaks to that. We can look at how some of y'all embrace each other. Associates. They just deal with each other because they're on praise and worship. If you take praise and worship out of the equation, we, won't even, we ain't got nothing to say to each other. If you take vessels of adoration out of the equation, we don't even talk. We are only talking because we're trying to figure out where we're going to meet to dance, what dance moves we're going to come up with, what songs we're going to come up to dance to. Take ministry, Jesus, God out of the equation. These folk that you've been knowing or been dealing with for years, you don't even consider these folk your friend. Nor your sister, nor your brother. You know what? That is a shame. It should be, if, if, if I had a financial need in my life and you met it, can be able to meet it and I can come to you without feeling guilty, shame, anything. Listen, this is what's, hey, I got this issue. Can you help me? But I get it. See, some of us are not that open to go do that because some people have made us, in the church, have made us feel so bad to have to borrow money from them. So it shows us we don't have victory in our community. Now, Bible, you go to the book of Acts, chapter number two, right about verses 42 through 47, talks about how the people sold all their possessions. They shared amongst themselves. They gave all they had to the apostles, and the apostles distributed as need, according to need. Not only that, it says they, they broke bread together. Not just natural bread where they sat down and ate. And the Bible shows us, it shows us, it gives us glimpses of how close they were. Right? Remember how the disciple laid his head in the bosom of Jesus? That denotes closeness. That denotes close community, which denotes close communion, close relationship, which was established by what? Communication. 
do you have victory in your community? The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. In the name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. This is the thing. We all deal with trouble. Some of us may be dealing with trouble right now. Different types of trouble, but you may be dealing with trouble, adversity, things that come to distress you. How are you dealing with the trouble? Are you afraid to talk to someone about your trouble? Are you afraid to touch and agree with someone about your trouble? So we spend a lot of time, nobody know my business. Well, you stay bound with your secret business. Yeah, you stay bound with your secret business. Because we'll, well, if you're really spiritual, you'll pick it up. Sometimes it's quicker for me to pick it up by you simply just telling me. Time is of the essence. You got a need. You understand what I'm saying? Why well, wait for me to go have to beat my flesh back? I'm going to have to beat it back. You understand what I'm saying? To go pray for you. But I'm saying, like, we can just avoid all. Just, just share. You know what I found out? When you can think people are going to mishandle you in a certain manner, it shows me. Because we can say all day long, well, you don't know what people have done to me. What you're telling me, regardless of what they've done, you have allowed people to change you. You have allowed people to change you you. And so now, just because someone has hurt you, you believe this about everybody else, what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is, I need to be worried about you. Because the level of pain that I've gone through, I have not let the situations nor the people change me. That's why you hear, why? That's why I'm consistently talking about it so I don't let it change me. Now, if you got to the place where, well, I, ain't, I ain't let nobody get close, I'm telling you, you have allowed people and situations to change you. And if you think I'm lying, go check it in the realm of the Spirit. Just go, God, have I allowed situations that hurt me, people who stabbed me in the back, people who mishandled me, used me, have I allowed them to change me? Yes, I guarantee you, if God is God and he's sitting on the throne, he's going to tell you that is the truth. What we know about God, God is, being God is being rejected all day, every day. God is in pain all day, every day. God is experiencing hurt all day, every day. But it has not allowed God or made God change his nature or his character. The first time somebody reject you, I ain't dealing with them. Right? The first time somebody mishandles you, you then start telling folks, watch them. This is what we do. Just because they did that to you, that doesn't mean they're going to automatically do it to me. They might have had a reason why they did it to you. But I'm, I'm, it's not that I don't understand, because I've been there too. I'm like, yeah, why is that? Why is that? But what I'm telling you is, you have to go and examine yourself to make sure we have not allowed situations nor people to change us, pull us out of character. Why? He says, because the name of the God of Jacob, the Fendi, Jacob, the heel holder, the supplanter, the trickster. But, but what God wants is God wants to give you the ability to be able to hold on. See, that was good right there. Oh, that was real good right there. I need to be able to hold on 
when it doesn't seem like, when it doesn't feel like I have victory. I need to be able to hold on until victory comes. See, for some of us, most of us, victory is right around the corner, but we, we let go before we experience that victory. Because you felt like you've been believing so long, you've been trusting God for so long, you've been praying about it for so long. Well, no, he's, he wants you to be able to hold on. Think about it. When Esau was coming out, Jacob was holding the heel while Esau was coming out. If you're able to hold on, guess what? You holding on is making it easy for you to follow him right on out the womb, to come right on out. Right? So you got to hold on. Give me verse number two. He says what? He says, send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. See, for most of you, your help is going to come from the people right in your community within the sanctuary. This this is where, it doesn't mean God is not going to help you, but a lot of times God helps you through the means of another individual. But because we're so dumb with people, that's my line. And then we try to get specific. I'm just, I'm church people. Well, the church people are no worse than the world people. Church people are no worse than your family. Because, you know, something that a simple, but it was a prolific, profound statement that we learned in the marriage conference yesterday. The church people are what? Humans. Just like your mama, human. Just like the world people are humans, the church people are humans. You say, but send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Zion denotes Jerusalem, the city of David, or the place of worship. So it's when we come together and we worship together that strength, we feel in power, we feel strengthened. Have you ever realized that when you come out of worship together with folk, it's as if what has been had you stressed out, what had you on nerve, what had you on edge, it really doesn't even matter right now because I'm, I'm coming out of his presence. I'm coming out of his presence with someone else. I'll give you an example, when, when Pastor Ivan and I, and a lot of times when my wife and I, we pray together. And we come down out of the presence of God. You feel empowered. You feel strengthened. Why don't we have that more? Where we experience more corporate worship. See, corporate worship requires you to take your mind off you. Even when you have personal worship, you got to take your mind off you. It's all about him. But when we come into corporate worship, it's still about him, but it's about us coming before him. God, what do you want to say to us? God, come and rest on us. God, come and sup or commune with us. Do you care about your associate, your acquaintance enough to ask God to come see about them? 
So it's something about corporate or congregational worship, or dare we say congregational prayer, which is one of the prayers that we'll talk about, congregational prayer. There's something about it when we come together in unity, one mindset, one faith, and one voice directed to him. That's powerful, y'all. Remember, think about it, how to say strengthen numbers. Same thing applies in the spiritual. When we can come together, forget about issues, but come on one accord, and make one sound unto him. That's powerful, y'all. Give me three. He says what? He says, remember all thy offers and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Remember all the offers, God, and the burnt offers that we brought before you. How we gave of ourselves, God. We gave out of our abundance. We gave out of our need, God. We wanted you to know that it was about you. If this is what you require to get to you, it is about you. Because what they were saying was, God, I need you. I have to have you. But then if you know, customarily as a people, we need you. We have to have you. You know what's, what's sad many days? Because you look in the audience and you see a couple people with the mindset, I need you, I have to have you. But if we ever all came in and got on one accord, we need you. Because whether, whether you believe it or not, or whether you care to mention it or not, oh, you need him. You need him. More than most of us care to admit. He says what? Grant thee according to thy own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. God, give as you see fit according to your own heart, God. Right? When was the last time you prayed like that? God, do us according to your heart, your will. Simply put, God, I'm praying let your will be done, God. I put aside my own will, God, or I exchange my will for your will, God. God, let your will be done, God. When was the last time you prayed and God show me what's on your heart? Reveal to me your heart, God. What's, 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 what's bothering your heart today, God? When was the last time you were concerned about what concerned God? And you say, God, speak to me about what you want to speak, God, in your earth realm. God, how do you care to use me today, God? Who do you desire to send me to today, God? How will you put a word in my mouth to give somebody, God, that's on the verge of suicide, God, somebody that's on the verge of backsliding, God? Put a word in my mouth, God. Reveal the nature of your heart to me today, God. Show me the burden of your heart today, God. How can I help ease the burden, the pain, just by being a vessel? And he says, I fulfill all that counsel. Fulfill your purpose, God. 
your purpose, God. Let the purpose of God be fulfilled. And as the purpose of God is being fulfilled, let it be good unto me. See, some of us, we need to pray that let the purpose be good unto me. Let it be good for me, God. Because see, that's where when you start dealing with truth, see, truth is I'm not going to always like God's will. I'm not going to always agree with it. But God, get around my lack of understanding as it pertains to your will. God, get around my lack of agreement when it pertains to your will, God. Let it be good for me, God. Let it be good unto me, God. Fulfill all your counsel, meaning your purpose, God. Your thoughts. Give me five. He says what? We will rejoice in thy salvation. See, we're talking about victory in your communication, victory in your communion, victory in your community. And see, the truth be told, the church needs to be saved. See, nobody's going to talk about that, how the enemy has come in to subvert all what God has been establishing in the church. The enemy has come in, the book of Jude talks about it, how certain men have crept in unaware. Men denoting all of mankind, men and women have come in with other agendas, secret agendas, implementing them in the church. We will rejoice in thy salvation. See, that's the reason to give God praise. We bless you because of your salvation, God. Because if we don't talk right, God, our relationships won't be right, God. If we fail to talk, God, we'll fail to have relationship, God. And if we fail to have communication, God, we'll fail to have close relationship, God. If we don't have close relationship, God, we will never establish community, healthy communities. You can go and look. Definitely in our communities, it's unhealthy because there was a lack of talking. They have taught us to keep secrets. And when you're keeping secrets, you're, you're, what are you, you're really doing? You're not talking. They have taught us by keeping secrets not to talk. No. We need saving. Our communication, our prayer, our communion, our community needs salvation. We got to get to the place where we're able to rejoice with those who rejoice. Do you understand what, what he's really saying? Rejoice with those who rejoice. He's actually saying, get in unity. Because when they're rejoicing and you start rejoicing with them, y'all just got on one accord. And watch what I will come do as y'all have just came on one accord. As many times we ran over that scripture, you're like, well, I'm going to have to, God say I got to get happy because they got blessed. right." No, he's saying, get on one accord. And what was possible for them is very much possible for you. Again, speaking to the analogy of the Esau and Jacob, if you hold on to them while they're blessing God, they can lead you into the blessed place. Oh, y'all not going to talk to me? You so content with just being jealous and envious from afar. 
fake support from afar, fake happiness from afar. But the truth, the true testament that you are really for them, that you're going to go right there. Whether you get it blessed like them or not, when you go right there, I'm so, uh, get on one accord with them and watch what can happen. He said, we will rejoice in our salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. Where's your flag? Every time they went to war, kingdoms will have banners marching before the army denoted, this is who we are. We represent this kingdom. We understand that he's Jehovah Nisi, he's God, our banner, but where is your flag symbolizing which kingdom you are a part of? Oh, some of you, you don't rip your, you don't rip your banner up and turn it into a flag. I give up. I surrender. I don't want no more. And the purpose of your flag. Purpose of your flag is to wave it, denoting whose side you're on. Denoting who you believe, who you trust in. Who you saying you praise and who you saying you worship. He said, and the Lord fulfill all thy petitions. All means all. All of your requests. The Lord fulfill all of them. Rejoice in his salvation and in the name of our God, we will lift up our flag. And he says, well, the Lord fulfill all your petitions. See, if we will ourselves to rejoice... There are days you have to will yourself to rejoice. I get it. Some days you don't feel like it. Whether you're tired, exhausted, sick. But you must will yourself. Just like the days when we were sinners, you know how we willed ourselves to go be a partaker of certain sins? You didn't have a car, but how did you get to the other city? You willed that thing to happen. Whether that be by you making phone calls, getting four different bus passes to get to the next city, making it appear that you're in your bed and there's a bunch of pillars that's covered up, but you willed it to happen to do what you wanted to do. In like manner, it says, we, we got to will ourselves to rejoice in his salvation. And in the name of our God, again, we will ourselves to set up our flags. Even when you don't feel victorious. Even when you pray for victory and don't have victory yet. You still got to put up your banner. I'm talking about even when the enemy is right at your front door. Sometimes you don't open the door and the enemy came right in and y'all sitting across the table talking to one another. You still got, uh-uh, 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 but this is my flag. You got in here, but my flag that knows who I'm with. I haven't gave up. Because see, one thing about the enemy, the enemy can strategically make advancements upon you. But regardless of the advancements that the enemy has made, my banner denotes I haven't gave up. And I don't care if I can't back up anymore, meaning my back is up against the wall. I, my banner that knows I still trust him. 
And then you got some of the some of us who, you know what I'm saying, then that Esther anointing get on you. While my back is up against the wall, if I perish, let me perish. But in me dying, I'm going to die and the world going to know that I never surrender because it's for this cause. It's unto this God that I live. In me six, he says what? Now, what is David saying? Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He said, after we rejoice, me and my military men, after we rejoice, listen, I don't care if we outnumber, lift up the banner, lift up that flag. And the Lord fulfill all of our petitions. See, I can imagine God bring us out with a mighty hand. God, deliver. Though they outnumber us, God, deliver our enemies into our hands, God. That they would know that the God of Israel reigns forevermore. See, he made it be about God. Give me the victory, God, but I'm going to give you the glory. Give me the victory, but I'm going to give you the glory, God. The world will know that it was the Lord of hosts that brought us out. Oh, yeah. It was the Lord of hosts that fought for us. It was the Lord of hosts that delivered our enemies into our hands, God. Give us the victory, we'll give you the glory, God. He says, now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. Come on, those of you who've been smeared with the oil. The oil has been massaged in on you. It wasn't just no, we putting this little meticulous cross on your forehead. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Put the oil in my hand and we about to massage it. Get it past your skin to let you know, oh yeah, this goes beyond skin deep, boo. He says, now know I, do you know that the Lord saves the ones that he's anointed, the ones that he's smeared with the oil? Do you understand God saves you? Do you consider yourself to be the anointed of God? Those that he's set apart for a specific use, specific purpose. He said, you, I save you. I don't care. Don't you care what it look like? Because he doesn't care what it look like. You, I save you. A lot of times, you know what? I'm prone to believe God let it get, he'll let some situation get so tricky. Because he like to show you just how powerful he is. That right there. <laughs> For example, the car was total. But you came away with one scratch. And you get out and look at the car like, <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Because he, he want to show you. Yeah, it can get that tricky. But I. Because most times, when you've ever been in an if you've ever been in an accident or came close, you ain't have time to say no, no. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, black, you, you only had time. Jesus! And that's all you needed. He said he would hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. He's going to hear from his holy place and with the saving strength of his right hand. Come on. See, the Bible talks about God will hold you up in his right hand, his hand of power, his hand of authority, the hand of favor, the hand of grace, the hand of strength, the hand of redemption. He's going to hold you up with that hand. Give me seven. He says what? Seven, seven. Some 
trust in cherubs and some in horses. What is he referring to? Remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness? They kept making reference to maybe we should go back to Egypt. So what is making reference to? Oh, you quick to trust in Egypt. The thing that you're familiar with. The thing that had some power. That shows you it had a little power. You were able to experience a little power from this thing. So you quickly revert back to that right there. Some trust in cherubs and some trust in horses. When you think about the chariots, it gave the Egyptians the ability, when it came to military personnel, to then fight in, a, in, a, in another, a whole different manner of war based on everybody else being on foot. They're able to, some of them are able to ride on back of horses, which is now giving them a totally different height advantage. And then they're able to ride in chariots, making them more swifter than their enemies. So the way that they approach military or warfare at that particular time is very, very, very different. So that's why David says, see, some, hmm, you trust in chariots. And some in horses. But me and my troop? Something like Gad. Y'all remember Gad? Whose name means run like a troop. Me and my troop, we're going to all be in sync. We're going to all be in one accord. We're going to all trust God. He says, but we, we are going to remember the name of the Lord our God. This is the thing. The name denotes a certain character. I don't know who God has revealed himself to you. But look what he said. We're going to remember the name of the Lord, our God. He's our God, but who has the Lord revealed himself to you as? If we can all come on one accord and remember the name of the Lord of our God. So somebody may be like, that's my Savior. Somebody else may be like, that's my father. Somebody else may be like, oh, he's the God of my peace. Somebody else may be like, he's my deliverer. And then I might have heard Marcus over there say, you're my strong tower. <laughs> right? Whoever he is or has revealed himself to you, make no mistake about it, whether he's Father, strong tower, the God of your peace, your deliverer, your strength, your way maker, your father, he's our God. And if we can ever remember the name of the Lord of our God, and if you notice, through consistent communication, God kept the nation of Israel in remembrance of him. I am the Lord God that brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand or a strong right hand. He consistently communicated to them so they would never forget who their God was. 
He was always trying to make it be so that you don't fall into idolatry. And if you fail to have communication, true communication, you're prone to fall into idolatry. Let's make it practical. If husband and wives refuse to be truthful, not just dealing with facts, for example, what the person desires to know or desires to experience, if they're not experiencing it in their own relationship, they'll start seeking it elsewhere. It has become a false god, the thing that they crave or desire. Intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy, being into one another. You'll start seeking it elsewhere. The thought of having someone to make you feel that you matter, that thought, that idea can become idol worship. You don't believe me? Go check your prayers. You pray about this more than you pray about God revealing his heart. If you're praying about God changed my spouse, you're praying more about God revealing his nature, his heart to you. Idolatry. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because you're really looking for truth, intimacy, and when that's lacking, you'll seek it somewhere else, meaning you're chasing a false god. I just want somebody to pay attention to me. I just want somebody to compliment me. I just want somebody to be intimate with me. I just want somebody to give me them. It can become idol worship. Ooh, some of y'all might need to repent. Jesus, some of y'all might need to repent. But if you can remember the name of your God. Change is possible. This man yesterday spoke to a lot of things in my life. A lot of things that God even told me. Remember I told y'all about the word change, the acronym God gave me, the A talks about accepting. This man kept speaking about you got to accept some things. You may have to accept that some people would never change. It may never change certain things about them and you got to accept that and be okay. Or either you're going to run yourself to an early grave. Asking them to change this and you know they're never going to change this and you're just running yourself raggedy. Some things you just got to accept. Because the truth be told, there are some things they don't even have the capability to change. If change is going to happen, it's going to have to come by a God that brings change. But do you understand accepting some things is an element, proof that you're changing? Well, you can accept things about you and accept things about people. This is an element that you are changing. But if you own the mindset, I ain't got to take that. Boo, you're not changing. 
And for the men, some of the men talk like that too. I ain't got to put up with that. My dude, you're not changing. Isn't it funny how we're unwilling to accept things about other people, but you want us to accept these raggedy issues you got, raggedy behaviors you have, raggedy conduct you operate in. You want us to accept it and be okay with you? Now pick your drawers up. Cook your own food then. Right? Accepting things about you and about others is letting you know that you're changing. Y'all don't get caught trusting in chariots. Chariots denoting swift things, things that happen quickly, easily and quickly in your life. Well, don't you trust in that? Certain relationships arrive quickly. He act like a gentleman quickly. Because he want to hit it quickly and, and split quickly. She acting submissive quickly. She wants something. After she get what she want to buy, that monster going to come back. Don't you trust and cherish those things that fly by overnight? That thing that just came out the blue and just, oh. Hold on. Again, horses. Big, strong, and swift, though. See, there were certain things, even certain relationships that appear to be strong. Y'all appear to be doing it big, having y'all best life. It's all about us. Right? But if y'all don't have God in the center of it, just as quick as it came together is the quickest it's going to dissolve. I don't care how big and how strong you think it is. If you don't have God as the glue, it's not going to be held together. So don't you trust in those things that appear to be swift, chairs, or the things that are big, strong, and swift, horses. But remember the name of the Lord, our God. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word in Jesus' name. Listen, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get prepared for the worship of our given Father. Father, Father up in heaven, God, we thank you. We remember, God, that you are our Lord and that you are our God. And it's through prayer, God, that we are establishing trust. Because as we communicate, God, we are building trust, which is leading us, God, to communion, to have close relationship with you, Lord. God, that we will have victory in our prayers that we would have victory in our close relationships, God, which would then push us, God, to have healthy, prosperous community, Lord, so that we'll be victorious in our community, God, and our own homes, God. The relationships that we develop at the job, the relationships that you're building inside the church, that we would have victory 
and our relationships, victory between the husbands and wives, victory between the siblings, victory between the parents and the children, victory between the sisters, victory between the brothers, victory between the elders and the lay members in the church, God, and victory between the lay members. God, we thank you even as we dive deeper into prayer, that you're revealing all things prayer to us, the importance, the need for prayer. Help us understand prayer on a deeper level. Help us experience prayer on a deeper level. That as we experience prayer on a deeper level, God, we would encounter you like never before. Because prayer is the place where we meet you and we experience your nature and your character. And it's where you will reveal your heart to us, God. So we thank you for all things prayer, God. We're committing, God, to devoted prayer. We're taking our vote, God, out of it, saying we will pray. We have to pray, God. We must pray, God. We can't afford not to pray, God. So we're choosing to pray. And I pray, God, that as you will lead us, direct us by your spirit, what we ought to pray for. And I pray, God, that we will pray without ceasing. And God, as we pray, God, sharpen our discernment, God, that we'll know exactly who, what we're praying for, God, as you lead by your spirit. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.